On this episode, we lay out all the pieces of the Indonesian political Rubik's Cube and put them together. We cover all the important elements of the 2018 regional elections, the political party dynamics, the political battles for the House seats in 2019, which parties are set to become extinct, as well as the Widodo Prabowo contest for the presidency. It's a full episode, and this is the go-to guide for understanding Indonesian politics. Welcome to Indonesia In-Depth. My name is Sean Corrigan. Today we're privileged to have a very interesting guest. Our guest is Dr. Jayadi Hanan. Dr. Jayadi is the Executive Director of Saifo Mujani Research and Consulting, or SMRC, which is one of the most, if not the most, credible polling and political research firm in Indonesia. SMRC has done some very interesting opinion polls. Dr. Jayadi is the lecturer and director of political science research at the Paramedina University here in Jakarta. He has received his doctoral degree from Ohio State University and was a research fellow at the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. He appears frequently on TV news talk shows and is one of the most sought after Indonesian political experts, particularly when it comes to gaining insights on the political situation on the ground across the country. Dr. Jayadi, thank you for being on Indonesia In-Depth. Thank you for having me. There are so many political developments to discuss with you, so I'd like to get right to it. I hear that you will have a national survey coming out towards the end of May, early June. Could you tell us a little bit about it and what will it cover? Well, we, we usually have around three to four national tracking surveys every year. The first one we have published in January. Uh, and now we are trying to do the second one, which uh, probably probably will be done by the end of May. And uh, it, with regard to things we are going to cover, uh, it will be related basically on uh, what is the approval rating of the president, what is the current political support for the candidate, candidates for the president, current political support for the political parties, which are who are going which are going to compete in 2019 national uh, presidential and legislative elections and all of the things related to um, factors that that affect the people uh, or voters behavior in deciding their votes in in general so those are our main uh, focus in our uh, national surveys usually uh, i think by the end of may we will know the possibility of who's going to be the main opponent of Jokowi and then what are going what is the chances of the, their electoral support and uh, will there be any surprise and so on and so forth so that will be released later this month and it will be public it will be on your website probably yeah uh, later, not later this month maybe on on June we will have the the latest release about our national tracking surveys yeah Okay, so listeners should uh, definitely check out your website, saifulmujani.com. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. so we'll look forward to that. It's going to be really important and uh, it's going to be a very good poll, I'm sure.
Later this year, on June 27th, actually, Indonesia will be holding 171 regional elections mm -hmm. that will include, uh, of course, many key regions such as West Java, Central Java, East Java, and of course, North Sumatra, and many others. Mm -hmm. These are huge political battlegrounds. Uh, West Java alone, for example, is massive, and mm -hmm. I think it has almost 32 million voters, is that West correct? West Java, 33 million. Yeah, yeah 33 million. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a huge voter base yeah, there. Yeah, the, the, the biggest number in terms of the electoral, in terms of the voters, compared to other, uh, other areas. I find these elections and these political coalitions behind them, mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's very fascinating. Another interesting point is that these elections will only use one round to determine the winner. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, Usually that is correct. The Indonesian law on uh, regional elections or local elections, both at the provincial and also at the district and municipality levels, uh, all of those uh, elections uh, are under the provision of the law of regional election in, gen in general. The law regulates, according to the provision in the law, that any any parties or any, any candidate that can win plurality in the election, then they will be announced as the winner. So uh, there is no requirement for having, uh, let's say, at least 30% of the vote, like the previous law, or um, there is no also uh, for having more than 50% of the votes, like in Jakarta. Whoever got the most, he will he will win, even if uh, the difference between the first one and the second only about less than one percent, for 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 instance. Yeah. So true. According to our law, uh, in this 171 local elections in 2018, there will be only one round election in each and every one of these uh, elections. The election that has two rounds only in Jakarta, because uh, compared to other regions, uh, elections in Jakarta is regulated by another law, specifically for Jakarta, which says that the winner of Jakarta's governor election should be the one who can get at least 50 more percent of the vote. Uh, so the 2019 presidential election will also be uh, when uh, it takes all? Well, 2019 uh, presidential election is uh, concurrently held together with uh, the legislative elections. For presidential election, we will have two round elections, two round uh, uh, majority runoff elections, just like in Jakarta. Because according to our constitutions, the president-elect should be the one who can win at least 50% and more of the votes. And also the votes that, that he got should be at least 20% in each, in, in at least 50% of the total provincial provinces of Indonesia. Meaning that uh, the, uh, the candidate who can win the presidential election Let's say he had he has got the fifty percent more of the votes, uh, but there is another requirement. That means his vote should be spread mm -hmm. into at least seventeen per, seventeen provinces in Indonesia, and in each of these seventeen provinces, the president-elect vote should be at least twenty percent. If not, then we will have another election. Well, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. didn't know that. So there's mm -hmm. the other requirement. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I think uh, the constitutions tries to make sure that our president-elect is the one who is who not only got the majority of the votes, but also the votes that support him should be spread out enough all over Indonesia to make sure that the, the president is not 
a regional president. He mm-hmm. should be the real Indonesian uh, president, meaning that the president of all over Indonesia, which consisting of uh, 34 provinces, 17,000 islands, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So that is, I think, one of the, the the basic objective of having that kind of requirements in our presidential election. But mm-hmm. yes, the basic rules for presidential election is the so-called majority runoff elections. But I think I have to um, inform also that in 2019, the presidential election is held together or concurrently <coughs> with legislative elections. Uh, the legislative elections uh, is using the so-called uh, multi-member district system. So there are there, there will be uh, three levels of House of Representative membership that will be elected in 2019 election. Number one is for House National House of Representative members, consisting of 575 members. That is for the national uh, parliament. And then at the second le- uh, uh, at the second level, we will elect also the members for the provincial level of Indonesian Parliament or Indonesian local House of Representative. And then the last one, we will have to elect the members for the district and cities uh, level of uh, House of Re- uh, Representative, or you can call uh, local councils. Besides that, we will also have to elect the members for this the, a kind of Senate, if we compare to the U.S. Uh, Senate, with the regulation that each provinces each province will be represented by four senators. That means we will elect uh, 136 senators for 2019 uh, Senate elections. So the voters in 2019 national election will cast five ballots. Ballots for the presidential election, ballot for a national Senate, ballots for national House of Representative, and then two ballots for provincial level mm-hmm. and district and city levels of House of Representative. Yeah, it's quite complex. Yeah, Vice President Yusuf Kala said this afternoon, he described the 2019 election as one of the most complicated uh, yeah, I agree. of them. If you, if you look at the sheer number of the people who, who will be involved in Indonesian national election of 2019, we can count uh, on our head. Uh, one, we have to elect 575 members of the national parliament. We have to all, uh, we have to elect uh, one pair of uh, presidents, right, and vice president. And then we have we will have to elect 136 uh, senators. And after that, we will have to elect more than 20,000 members of local councils, both at the provincial level and the, the levels below province. Um, it will involve around 500,000 polling stations wow. all over Indonesia, which will be managed by not less than 4 million uh, election officials on one day, uh, from uh, the very west part of Indonesia all the way yeah. to the eastern part of Indonesia. And also, I, I have to mention also the voters. It is estimated that the voters of Indonesia in 2019 will be around 195 million. So if the if the voter turnout the voters turnout will be around 80%, that means we will have around 165 million people. All of them are going to the polling stations during uh, roughly the same time yeah. on the 17th of April 2019. That is quite complex. So you expect around 80% turnout? Yes. What was last, uh, 2014? The 2014, the uh, voter turnout is around 
So I think it is reasonable to expect around 80%. The reason uh, is because, you know, when there is a presidential election, people uh, usually are more enthusiastic in going to the election, especially when the people think that the race will be close or the race will be very, very comparative, just like in 2014 uh, presidential election. One of the reasons, main reasons for having the simultaneous election was about cost saving, is that correct? Yeah, cost saving is one of them. The other, I think, is the, the, the people think that according to constitutions, the election should be held together. That is according to our uh, constitutional court. So that is the reason. Some people said that it will be good for the work of presidential system in Indonesia because by having presidential election and legislative election at the same time, then there will be the so-called coattail effect in which people expect that because the number of the presidential candidates will be not very many, then with coattail effect, people are expecting that the political parties that will be entering the national parliament for 2019 will be not so many. Despite the fact that uh, the participants or the, the, the political parties that are competing in the election are more than, I think, more than 16 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that is some, some of the consideration. But I think the main consideration is constitutional. Sampaikan kepada semua orang, haram memilih orang kafir sebagai pemimpin. Mau? Sanggup? Bersedia? 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 Untuk menyampaikan haram orang kafir sebagai pemimpin? Yang siap tapi? That was a voice of an unknown speaker at the 2016 Hizbut Tahrir demonstration against the then governor of Jakarta, Bazuki Purnama, or Ahok. The speaker said, quote, You have to let everyone know that it is forbidden to elect a non-believer or infidel as your leader, unquote. Just want to shift back just very briefly to the regional elections later mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. year um, in June. After last year's Jakarta gubernatorial election, yeah. uh, where we saw the use of ethnicity and religion yeah. or political Islam used against the incumbent uh, mm-hmm. Bazuki Purnama, yeah, yeah. some observers feel or feared that we will see a repeat of this going on in the regional yeah. elections. However, SMRC did a study in, Ju- uh, in January this year, and your results showed that there hasn't been much evidence of this. Yeah. Does that still stand, knowing that we are four months later and in the middle of the campaign, yeah, uh, yeah. How, how do you see that happening? Yeah. Is, is, has, has it changed at all? No, there is there's no change so much. I think we, we we still find the same or similar things. I think the the reason is a bit fundamental. Yeah. Uh, well, I am of the opinion that identity politics. Uh, you mentioned about political Islam, ethnicity, and so on and so forth that are played out in in the the political competition in regional elections which is in Indonesia it is also called identity politics. This type of politics has been played out actually for quite a long time. The reason is very natural because uh, Indonesia is very diverse, both in terms of ethnicity, religion, and so on and so forth. So the political competitor or the, 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 the candidates who are competing in the election will find any types of issues that can be used or useful for them to try to be competitive and if, uh, if possible to beat the, the competitor, right? Uh, and identity is one of them, uh, especially religion and uh, ethnicity, mm-hmm. because religion and ethnicity is 
are, are two things that are very very inseparable from Indonesian people, especially religion. When you are talking about religion, religion seems to be something uh, uh, very emotional, very very uh, uh, psychologically attached to any anybody, and so on and so forth. So using this kind of um, issues as the political, let's say, political weapon will be very useful, but depends on the context and the situation, right? I think uh, there are two conditions for the identity politics to be significantly affecting yeah, the, 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 the result. Number one is just like in Jakarta's election, local election of 2017. Number one, the competition among the competitors should be very, very competitive. Meaning that there is no certain candidate that has very dominant support mm -hmm. or the other is trailing very much from uh, the front runner and so on and so forth. In other words, if the election is close, then there is a possibility of the identity politic to be played out. In other words, the level of comparativeness should be very, very, very close. Number two, uh, the uh, the requirement of having identity politics to be significantly affecting uh, the, the result is there has to be deep polarization mm -hmm. among the candidates. For instance, the, let's take example again Jakarta election. Especially in the second round of the Jakarta's 2017 elections, uh, we can we, we, we could see very clear, uh, very deep polarization among the candidates. One candidate is representing minority in terms of ethnicity and also minority in terms of religion, while the other candidate is representing majority in terms of ethnicity and also religion. Um, the, the election is also very close at the time. So uh, the use of the ethnicity and religion then uh, is very, very useful. Now, if we try to, to, like, to look at the possibility of the replication of these types of identity politics in Jakarta to 171 local elections in 2018, then we have to also find is there any context of those two requirements. Number mm -hmm. one is mm -hmm. the competitiveness of the election. Number two, deep polarization among candidates. Yeah, If we look at the, let's say, seven, there are 17 uh, provincial level election, 2018. Most of them are uh, not having the so-called incumbents, in, uh, incumbents competing in the election. Usually, if there is, there is no incumbent, in the election, then the possibility of having comparative, very close race is there. So uh, the requirement number one is there for local identity, for local identity politics like in Jakarta to be played out. But let's move to the second requirement. The second requirement is, is there any deep polarization mm -hmm. among candidates? For instance, between Islam candidate and non-Muslim uh, candidate and non-Muslim candidate and also among the political parties that support the candidate. Is there any deep polarization, just like in, in Jakarta? For the second requirement, I myself do not find it so far. So, um, 2018 local elections is lacking the second requirement of the context for identity politics to be played out. Uh, that's why I think, although currently when we are doing this interview, uh, we have been in the middle of the campaign of 2018 local elections. I don't hear any significant event where in certain uh, regional elections, identity politics, especially religion and, and ethnicity, is played out very, very significantly. Of course, there are some, 
some events like that but i don't think it is uh, it is played out uh, to the extent just like in jakarta 2017 local elections there is one that is being possibility of having identity politics that is the elections in west java mm-hmm. you see in west java we have four candidates all of them are muslim both the governor can the governor's candidate and also the vice governor's candidate Uh, so there are there are no deep polarizations among the candidates but there is uh, the level of competitiveness is there no none of these candidates are very very dominant in terms of the, their political support so there is a competitiveness but the deep polarization the deep polarization is not there so that's why you hear until uh, four months after the official campaign is started we don't hear any significant event which um, says uh, that uh, identity politics especially religion is played out in West Java just like in other other areas we don't we don't hear so far the other reason why we don't hear uh, any identity significant identity politics so far in thousand local election beside the lack of the requirement for the context as mm-hmm. i mentioned also i think i see a kind of let's say political maneuvers among political parties in terms of making the coalitions for nominating the candidates in local elections it seems to me that there is a, a deliberate effort of especially the political parties that are currently supporting jokowis there are seven of them they are trying to be spread to be spreading out Mm-hmm. to many candidates they are not trying to be to be in only one group in each of these elections so you will find that in East Java for instance PDIP and Golkar is in one coalition for national uh, government for Jokowi mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. but in East Java they mm-hmm. are against each mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. it's PDIP the with, with Gurindra yeah, right. at some points yeah yeah the PDIP is even in coalition with the the opposition party in terms of the national politics so uh, those kind of um, mixed election can be found all over Indonesia which makes the which means that we cannot differentiate the political parties or the coalition of political parties in local elections that are, are deeply polarized like in uh, Jakarta's election mm-hmm. as a result then we don't find i think it is difficult to play out identity politics in 2018 local elections we'll see so it's been healthy competition for the past so far, four months it, and, what I heard, yeah. and looks like it'll keep going until right. election that's right. that's good right. it's going to be fascinating right. to see how it plays out true Uh, so uh, because yeah. we don't find any context that can be fertile ground mm-hmm. for identity politics to be played out. How do you see the impact of these 
regional elections this year towards mm -hmm. the 2019 general and presidential election mm -hmm. is there other things we should be looking out for in certain areas or certain certain coalitions yeah. or what stands uh, out the general rules i think is that the the local politics is usually not in line with the national politics that is ge the general rules that we have been seeing since 2004 when, when we have both direct election for national level and also local level so you cannot find uh, any significant correlation or, or, or connection between what happens in the local politics in the coalition mm -hmm. for instance political coalitions with the dynamics of national politics uh, what happens in the 2000 in the coalitions of 2018 local election for instance you see that the opposition at the national level and the government at the national national level are very often in coalition with each other at the local levels mm -hmm. and most of the the candidates in the local election are nominated by by more than two political parties and these two political parties we cannot differentiate very clearly we cannot differentiate separate them into two groups very clearly for instance this is the group of Jokowis uh, or the national government. This is the group of opposition from the national all the way to the local level. We don't find it. So they mix each other. Mm -hmm. So that means that um, uh, we cannot have a very easy conclusion. We cannot draw e easy conclusion mm -hmm. about the the impact of these local elections to the the national eleven uh, the national e uh, election in two thousand. Uh, 19 meaning that we have to see uh, 2019 election with its own dynamic among political parties and among the candidates for the president can you break down specifically uh, west java central java and east java and how, explain a little bit about how important they are to the electorate election, local election in several areas will be very important if not significant for the national politics at least the election in four areas. Mm -hmm. Number one in West Java. Why this is important? Uh, West Java is, uh, has been a uh, long time as considered as one of the barometer of Indonesian national politics. The person, the people who wins West Java usually win uh, the national election. And West Java's voters are very, very volatile. They are very, very liquid. They can go any, anywhere usually. So, and in 2014, the current national government, the incumbent of the president, uh, was losing to his opponent. Uh, the local election in West Java is won by the candidate that is considered closer to the uh, incumbent president. Then there is a sign of the president to have even more support nationally. If not, then the, the incumbent president, Jokowi in this case, will have a bit of struggle in uh, in getting re-elected as the president. That is West Java. Uh, the second is uh, West Sumatra. The reason because West Sumatra is the stronghold of the opponent of the incumbent. So I think if the election in West Sumatra is won by again by the opponent of the current president, then there is a possibility of this West Sumatra to be the stronghold again, stronghold for the opponent of the, for the opposition again. And similar to West Sumatra is West Nusa Tenggara. 
the, the province of Nusa Tenggara, which has been the stronghold of the opponent of the, the incumbent president. It seems to me that uh, there is a possibility of West Nusa Tenggara, the, the seat for governorship will not uh, necessarily be taken again by the the candidate who is closer to the current governor who is not supporting who was not supporting Jokowi in 2014 elections so those three areas will be very important uh, i think in uh, determining the national politics especially on on those areas in 2019 elections in addition to that there is one area that needs to be watched that is the the central java Central Java can be considered as one of the barometer for how, str- how strong is Jokowi and PDIP. Mm-hmm. If in, uh, in Central Java, the candidates of PDIP, which is the political party of the current president, if the, that candidate can win again, win big, then that means nationally, uh, the, the position of uh, PDIP, the current uh, Jokowi's uh, political party, will also be strong enough nationally. So other areas, I think not so much in terms of its, its impact on, on the uh, political dynamic of 2019 mm-hmm. elections. Mm-hmm. So there are some cases, as you mentioned, yes, some yes. few select areas, very mm-hmm. important areas, we can have some takeaways. Yes. But just on West Java, currently President Widodo is, is leading in, in polls there. Yes, yes. Our poll shows that in West Java, the president is no longer trailing to Prabowo. And it is, I think, uh, a good news for the president, uh, but of course bad, bad news for Prabowo's camp. Uh, the other indication for that also, uh, Prabowo's coalition uh, is having their own candidates there. The coalition of Gerindra Party and PKS, they have their own uh, candidates. And according to the poll so far, the candidates from these political parties is trailing very much in uh, into in uh, West Java's elections, so that means that uh, there is a possibility of if the candidates from Gerindra Party, the the, the opposition uh, party, and PKS could not win the, this election, then there is a possibility of the incumbent president to win West Java voters in 2019 uh, national election. Wow, yeah, that's very fascinating. So mm-hmm. it's going to be important to watch to see how it all yes. plays out in the next what just over a month now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about 2019, everyone automatically thinks, you know, or wonders who's going to be the next president, who will yeah. win. Mm-hmm. But there are other factors that are really important, especially in this coming election 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the new 4% parliamentary threshold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2017 election law increased the parliamentary threshold uh, to 4% mm-hmm. of the total national votes. Mm-hmm. This means that political parties that fail to reach this number won't earn any seats in the House. Yes. And as a reminder to our listeners, the threshold for the parties to put forth a presidential candidate is 20% of House seats. And this is completely separate from what we're discussing now. And then we're only talking about the parliamentary threshold. Yes. Mm-hmm. The House, correct me if I'm wrong, but the House threshold in 2008 was 2.5%. Yes. Uh-huh. And then it was raised in 2012 to 3.5%. Uh, 2009 to 2.5%. Uh, 2.5 and then 2014 3.5 okay 2014 3.5 and now 4% for uh, 2019 2019, yeah and this is really significant as we had 10 parties competing in 2014 election yes there are 12 it was 12 okay 10 Uh, could make their way through the parliament 
I see. Okay. So two, two could make it. Yeah. Then. Okay. Right. I see. In this next election in 2019, we could potentially see there will be 16. There will be 16 uh, political parties competing for national seats. Yeah. 16. Yeah. But there's a potential that seven or eight parties. Yeah. Yeah. May not there make is, it through the threshold. Is that true, correct? True. There is there are, there is a potential uh, potency for some political parties cannot make even the ones who ha, who have been in the parliament now. Yeah. Uh, they are not safe enough, uh, as as we are speaking today, to be entering the parliament again because of that uh, parliamentary threshold. Uh, in 2014, there were 12 political parties competing for the national seats in the parliament. Two of them could not make it because these two could not reach the uh, parliamentary threshold of, of 3.5% uh, of the total national votes, meaning that there are 10 political parties currently uh, holding seats in uh, the mm -hmm. national parliament of Indonesia. Now, if we look at these uh, 10 political parties, both in terms of their seats in the parliament and also in terms of the total votes, in terms of the seats, both in terms of the seats that they, ha they have in the national parliament and, so, and also in terms of the total number of popular votes that they got in 2014, none of these 10 political parties got less than 4% mm. of the seats and also of popular votes. So Hanura, for instance, they got more than 4% and then Nasdem got like 6%. So none of them got less than 4 Meaning that if you look at those numbers, then there is a possibility of all of these 10 political parties could re-enter the mm -hmm. parliament because um, all of them, if we compare to their seats and their votes in 2014, all of them got more than 4%. If the, uh, there is no significant changes in the, uh, in the attitude of the electorate, then all of them will enter the parliament again. The problem is there are six new political competitors in uh, 2019 elections. Uh, that means at least uh, the political parties there are now having less than 7% of the votes uh, of 2014 are I think in danger of being replaced by new political parties or, or new political competitors or all of them could not get. It would be all scattered. All, yeah. Because the, 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 the votes will be scattered. Yeah. So there is a big potential political parties could, could, couldn't make it. Meaning that there is a potential of, of us uh, reducing the number of political parties in the parliament because of this parliamentary threshold, threshold alone and also because of the number of political competitors are now more than 2014 and also because in general Indonesian support for political parties are scattered, fragmented. None of the political parties are very, very dominant in terms of their political support. For instance, PDIP, the winner in 2014, only got 18.9%. Even, uh, you know, it's much, much less than simple majority, right? Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two, I think, again, 2019 election will be con uh, held concurrently with legislative elections. So there is a possibility if the, the incumbent is uh, having very good approval rating by the public and, and that's why then having very good political support from the public, then this political support for the, for the incumbent president will uh, benefit his political parties, in this case PDIP. Meaning that there is a potential for PDIP to get much, much more than 2014 elections.
That means, uh, on the one hand, for other political parties that are not part of Jokowi's political parties, the support are scattered, the votes are scattered, meaning that maybe many of them will be not able to enter the parliament. At the same time, PDIP can pull, can pull out the popular uh, votes from other political parties, meaning that on the one hand, there is a possibility of PDIP to be very strong, and on the other hand, there is a possibility of many political parties getting smaller and smaller. So, because of that, then we, there will be only few political parties can pass that 4% parliamentary threshold. There is a possibility uh, like that. So, it is still very high, very highly uncertain mm-hmm. until, until today. If we look at political parties of 2014 in the parliament compared to political parties of 2009 in the parliament, mm-hmm. the number is more. In 2009, we have only nine political parties entering the parliament. Uh, at the time, our threshold was only 2.5%. Mm-hmm. But then for 2014 uh, election, we increased the threshold from 2.5 to, to 3.5. Well, the result is the number of political party is not reduced. It even more. We have from 9 to 10. So there is also still a possibility of at least the number of political parties, although we have higher level of president, uh, parliamentary threshold, then the number of political parties will not be reduced. Um, that is, uh, I think at this point, uh, it is very, very highly uncertain. But the possibility is that it could be less than 10 Is, is I mean, there. it could be seven. I mean, yeah, for example, is, I mean, it's, that, yeah. it's unclear, it's unknown, right. but yeah. the, the potential is there. There is potential for it. And some of the parties that are in the danger zone, uh, according to some of the data that I've seen, are the National Mandate Party, PAN, mm-hmm. the Prosperous Justice Party, which is PKS, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, National Democrats, which mm-hmm. is NASDEM, the United Development Party, which is yes. PPP, mm-hmm. and the People's Conscious Party, which yeah, is Hanura. Yeah. Hanura. It seems that NASDEM is on the border of the threshold, maybe, yeah, yeah. and PKS really needs to work hard to make sure they can meet the, the threshold. But Hanura, Pan, and PPP are in the most trouble from the, yeah. from the current data, it, it appears. Yeah. Is, that, is, that, is that accurate? If you only look at the number in the poll, yes, uh, yours, your um, observation is correct. But I think there is another dimension we have to put here to look at the possibility of political parties to be entering the parliament or not. We have to look at whether or not that political party is having the so-called social identity or solid base support. Let's say the social identity. What social identity means that there are political parties in Indonesia that is linked very close to a big and strong social movement and social organizations. For instance, PKB. PKB is having very mm-hmm. close relationship with the very strong Nahdlatul Ulama, the traditionalist Muslim organizations, which is having a very solid support. So PKB, uh, in that case, will have more than 4% of so- solid support. PKS. PKS also, although according to the number in the poll, is uh, having less than 4%, but PKS is one of the political party which has a very solid support. And in our calculation, the solid support that is had by uh, PKS is, I think, more than 4%. So I think looking at that, they are, uh, they are safe enough. Uh, similar thing for National Mandate Party. National Mandate Party is the party that is closely linked to the national movement of Muhammadiyah. 
the modernist Muslim organizations, which has more than four percent solid support, political uh, political membership, and that's why uh, it it becomes a very solid support for a national mandate party. If we look at that, then those three parties should be safe enough to be entering the parliament by looking at that uh, consideration. I think the ones that in danger are the political parties that small enough, but they are catch-all parties. The parties that uh, doesn't have a strong social basis, like Nasdem, Hanura, Nasdem, uh, National Democrat Party, and also People Consign Party. The kind of political parties do not have a certain social basis mm -hmm. that can be reliable for them to make sure that they will have at least a certain percent of, of the vote. So they are the, one, the, the ones uh, in danger, I think, in, in 2019 elections. If we look at that, then uh, we have to say there are at least two political parties that are in danger. National, Mandate, National Democrat Party and also People Consign Party. If their, their supports are taken out by new political parties, then I think uh, two possibilities will happen. Number one, new political parties cannot attract mm -hmm. enough level of support, I mean 4%, and all of them will have less than 4%, meaning that all of them will be gone from, uh, will not be able to enter the parliament. So uh, again, if we look at that calculation, if, if my calculation is right, so there is a possibility of us having only eight, eight political parties in 2019 election or seven if we count the PPP PPP is similar to PKB although although PPP is uh, not uh, official uh, is not very closely related to uh, social basis of uh, Indonesian traditionalist Muslim organization the Nahdlatul Ulama but most of their member uh, their supporters are coming from the Nahdlatul Ulama similar to PKB uh, if they can attract uh, uh, if they can maintain the support from this social basis, then they can be safe. But if many of their uh, social basis going are going to the other similar political parties, PKB, then PPP also is in danger mm -hmm. of going out of the parliament. So there are a possibility of having seven to eight political parties because of this. Uh, if there are, if there are seven parties, well, what's the impact to the parliament? Will it be more productive? Will, will it help it be more productive? Or, or is it, will it stay the same? Or uh, In terms of the coalition, I think probably the, because the number of coalition will be less, right? So theoretically speaking, if you have less, less number of political coalition, then it will be less negotiation you have mm -hmm. to do, less deal you have to make, right? In that, that means that um, there is a possibility of making more efficient types of political uh, decision in the coalition and opposition. Number two, there is possibility also that one or two political parties are dominant enough. If there are, if there are one, if there is one or two political parties that are dominant enough, then the bargaining power for making political decisions, both in terms of the coalition and in terms of the opposition, will be also easier I think so uh, we can expect politically speaking with less number of political parties in the parliament uh, at least political ne negotiations will be more efficient but other other work should be based on uh, the institutional uh, arrangement 
of the uh, the national parliament and how the national parliament is managing relationship with uh, the president dunia politik memang asik gak asik kadang asik kadang enggak di situ yang asik katanya seperti orang main catur kalau enggak ngatur enggak asik uh, just shifting now, just back to the 2019 presidential election. Mm -hmm. Although the election commission registration period has not begun yet, it begins, I think, August 4th to the mm -hmm. 10th, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. parties can uh, submit their, their right, names for right. candidates. Although it's still a few months away, yes. there's a lot of already informal campaigning uh, going on to some extent, particularly towards the, the President Widodo as mm -hmm. the, as the mm -hmm. incumbent. Mm -hmm. Uh, what type of issues do you expect to see uh, used against candidates mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. once the campaign yeah. season really begins, say, in, in September or so? Right, right. And which, which of these will have the biggest impact on, say, President Widodo yeah. and potentially on Prabowo Subianto yeah, if yeah. he actually declares his candidacy? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because uh, it is very different from 2014 elections in terms of that we now have an incumbent president, right? Because we have incumbent, then the main issues will be centered around the incumbent. And until today, I think there are two main issues that are related to incumbents. Number one is his performance, both in terms of economy, uh, in terms of economy and other things, meaning that his approval ratings, uh, the people's evaluation on the economy, the people's evaluation on his performance in many programs and sectors of the government will be very significantly affecting the competition. If uh, Joko Widodo can uh, uh, maintain his high approval ratings, if he can maintain uh, stable economy and stable political uh, condition, then uh, there is high possibility him getting re-elected. So to reduce uh, this possibility, his possibility of getting re-elected, then of course the opponent will also focus on his performance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and of course the focus will be on the negative things, on the performance. For instance, on the economic issues, there will be very harsh critic on the main, the signature program of the president, the infrastructure project. I think the main critic on this project is on how they fund this project. It is a common uh, understanding now that the infrastructure project, this massive infrastructure project, is funded through the loan from uh, the foreign loans. The very high increase of this foreign loan that we have now will be a, a weak point, the president, according to the opposition. And there are some other program and performance issues that can be targeted by the opponent. So those issues are still uh, very usual issues in politics, right? Mm -hmm. But there is another issue which also be played out. Um, that is the issue that is related to the fear and uh, the feeling of the people against the, the president and also some uh, maybe uh, accusations mm -hmm. that has been around targeted toward the president, including the kind of identity politics type of issues. I think there are at least three issues that will be played out in, in this category. Number one is the accusation that the president is actually a communist. Mm -hmm. Jangan sampai kita diadu domba, dipecah belah, 
gara-gara pesta demokrasi masyarakat diadu-adu. Itulah kadang-kadang jahatnya politik di situ, di fitnah, diadu domba, masyarakat dipengaruhi. Coba saya saja, di bawah banyak yang diisukan, itu Pak Jokowi itu PKI, banyak yang seperti itu coba. Padahal PKI dibubarkan itu tahun 65, lucu banget kan, itu yang menfitnah itu ngawur. That was the voice of President Widodo in March this year, responding to accusations that he is a communist. He said, quote, don't let us get to the point where we have a conflict among ourselves or become divided because of democracy. Sometimes that is the evil part of politics. People use slander, create conflicts, and society becomes affected. Take me, for example. People have created a lot of rumors and say things that Jokowi is a communist. Some people are saying that, despite the fact that the Communist Party was banned in 1965." Unquote. I think this will be played out again and again in 2019. And that was, excuse me, but that was also used in 2014 to, to some yeah, extent. Okay. Yeah, but you see until today it is still being played out. Yep, yep. Uh, number two will be that the president is not close enough to the Islamic groups. Mm -hmm. Which was also used to some extent in, in, in 2014. 2014. Yeah, but it is still played out until today. Of course, we when we are talking about the effectiveness, it is a, another issue, right? Number three is the suspicion that is uh, lab, uh, that is portrayed to the president that he is actually very close to China, and the issue of the foreign labor that is very 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 highly or heatedly debated now. I think uh, it, it's only a front issue. The, the real issue is actually the opponent of the president is trying to portray him as the one who is very close to China. His presidency will benefit China very much and will put Indonesians in general into suffer. I think those three issues will be played out again. But I think as long as the president's performance is high enough, very good, and the people can understand that, I think it is difficult uh, now to put uh, those three issues into highly or significantly impact his possibility of being re-elected. We look forward to seeing your next survey later sure. you know, mm -hmm. in, a, in a week or two to really see what the numbers are, to see mm -hmm. what the approval rating is mm -hmm. and how he competes with other, yes. with other candidates. How many camps do you think could be running mm, in the 2019 okay. election? Uh, yeah. People talk of Widodo against Prabowo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still not clearly right, defined. Yeah, what's, right. what's your take? Yeah, uh, There are two things that determine how many camps we will have. Number one, as we know, the so-called presidential threshold. Because of the requirement of political party or the joint of political parties to have at least 20% of seats in the parliament based on 2014 election, to nominate a pair of candidates for president and vice president, mm -hmm. then we will have four at the most, right? That's number one. So if we just look at the number, the presidential threshold requirement, there is a possibility of having four, four camps. Now, second, second factor is the current dynamic of the coalition and opposition. If we look at the current dynamic of coalition opposition, coalition means the political parties that are supporting the current president, and then the political parties that are uh, supporting the opposition, right? We have two political parties in the opposition and seven political parties are in the government. One political party is none, uh, having no, uh, no position, uh, democratic parties. 
if the this current coalition is not shaken up then we will have only two camps in my opinion what is happening it seems that there is these two camps of coalition and oppositions are not shaken up that, that much there is only one political parties that that is very soon to quit the the coalition of jokowi is a national mandate party but the quit of this political party will not have will not give enough seats for the current opposition to have an, another camp so they would need like uh, they will, pks or they, they will, uh, pks is now in the opposition and they can be with greenra so there is one camp uh, let's say uh, democrat party uh, the, the former president sby this party can uh, make another coalition but it will need at least two political parties to make one coalition if only one political party quit from jokowi's coalition then there will not be enough still not enough yeah, yeah. Uh, so so far we have only two but there is a possibility of having three now there is another the last factor that affect this uh, camps is is there any alternative candidates other than the current president and uh, his former opponent prabowo all of the polls show that there are only two viable candidates the current president and prabowo if there is another uh, another alternative then there is a possibility of having more than two camps but so far that alternative we don't see yet so at this point i would say that it is highly likely that we will have only two camps prabowo's camp and jokowi's camp with a big note that in prabowo's camp there is still a possibility of prabowo not running but the camp is still prabowo's camp but uh, although it is highly likely to have only two camps but there is still a possibility although the chance is getting lower to have the third coalitions the third coalition will be determined by two things number one if there are at least two political parties from jokowi's coalition quit the election number two if there is another presidential candidate alternative that can be found during the last uh, two or three months before the registration for presidential candidate in early august ya yang namanya politik itu segalanya mungkin segalanya dimungkinkan jangan segala, jangan sekali-kali menutup sebuah opsi-opsi di dalam politik semuanya itu bisa mungkin that was the voice of president widodo on the najwa shihab tv show responding to the question on whether or not it is open to having the opposition leader prabowo subianto as his vice presidential running mate in 2019 the president said in politics anything is possible and all options are on the table if something like this is good for the country why not you mentioned that there's still a chance that prabowo would not be running yeah do you see a chance of this talk of him maybe yeah. being attracted to the the offer from the the Jokowi? presidents yeah i think uh, there is a it is a very tempting offer yeah but i think the resistance from inside jokowi's coalitions and from inside prabowo's party will prevent that to happen i i see so far very strong resistance inside uh, greenra party political parties mm-hmm. of prabowo to make prabowo as the vice president candidate for jokowi and also there is a very strong resistance inside jokowi's coalition yeah, what about golkar golkar can't be too happy with with of course, that type of because offer golkar they put so much is, hard work and investment into true, the president true true if jokowi is going to take his vice presidential candidate from political party then golkar will be the first choice right 
So I think although they said it's up to Jokowi, but I think Golkar will do anything to prevent Prabowo to be to be the vice president. But we'll see. But I think the strongest resistance to that is the the resistance from inside Jokowi's coalition, especially on the supporters and also the the very strong resistance inside Gerindra Party because they need two things. Number one, they don't want Prabowo to be the vice presidential candidate. Number one. It will be an embarrassment to them, right? Number two, they need Prabowo to stand as the the candidate to make sure that the coattail effect of Prabowo can benefit Gerindra Party to defend their seats now. So it's more fundamental. So I think given those two considerations, I think it will be very difficult to realize the expectation or the hope of Jokowi to be the presidential candidate and Prabowo as his running mate. Mm-hmm. Although, of course, in politics it is still possible, but I think the possibility is getting lower. And just on that same point, so if you say that Prabowo doesn't run, they'll have a big impact on, say, the his uh, members of parliament who are running for, for right. re-election or right. election in, right. in 2019. Right, right, right. Because why, why is that so? Because the people who vote for Grindra is because of Prabowo. If we in the poll, if we ask people, what do you think if we if we say Gerindra, they said Prabowo. Mm, yeah. So Prabowo is the brand of Gerindra Party. If the brand is not running, then Gerindra Party will be in trouble, right? Mm-hmm, mm. That is the last choice to take to be taken for especially the member of parliaments from Gerindra. They want to at least maintain the political support they got in 2014 in the 2019 elections. And do you think, say, um, if Prabowo does run, do you think there's a chance that uh, Gurindra could surpass Golkar in seats in the House? Um, so far... Um, which would, sorry, which would be bringing yeah, him yeah. to number two slot. Yeah, I think the polls number shows that that possibility is there. But it's not certain because we found we find so far that sometimes Gerindra is is in number two after PDIP. Sometimes Golkar is still in number two, yeah. three. They uh, change uh, over time. So I think there is possibility of them of having very close. But it will also be depending on the the capability of Golkar to align mm-hmm. itself to Jokowi. If Golkar can be aligned with Jokowi. To the extent that people think that yeah. Golkar is the second party of Jokowi, then the down ballot effect or the coattail mm-hmm. effect of Jokowi to Golkar will be higher. That means it will be difficult for Greenra to beat Golkar. Mm-hmm. So Golkar, we'll Golkar will be using uh, President, President Widodo's yes. photo as much as possible. Right, right. Yeah, and then yeah. they are doing it now. Yeah. How do you see the Democrats? Do you see them? I know you mentioned that yeah, they're yeah. still in between. But do you see them potentially leading towards uh, the president's coalition? Yeah, I think Democrats have, you know, we have to see the interest of Democrats now. Uh, Democrat at least has two interests, big interests. Number one, SBY in this case, the chairman, they need to put their cadre, the son of SBY, to be in the next national leadership of Indonesia in 2024, right? Mm-hmm. That means they have to put 2019 to 2024 period as a consolidation for Agus Harimurti Yudhoyono to be the next part of the national leadership. To support this interest, they need to be aligned with political force that is going to win in 2019 elections, right? And for now, based on the data, the possibility of being that winner is on Jokowi's side. 
uh, on on the current president side. So that is the first interest that they have. The second interest that they have is to maintain the legislative support or poli- or or electoral vote that they got for the, the for the political parties. To do so, they need somebody to be the icon of political parties to be seen by the public. It can no longer be SBY because people know SBY is not the next leadership and so on and so forth. That means they have to put Agus Harimurti at least on the uh, on the national spotlight of 2019 elections. Mm-hmm. Good national spotlight. That means coordinating minister with a minister position yes, besides VP. Yes. yes. A, a ministerial level would be will be, be good. good enough. Will be good. Will be good. But for for that they need to campaign with with the one who can get a national spotlight. That means that possibility is again on the side of mm. Joko Widodo. Mm-hmm. So I think based on that uh, the data that we have now and the interest of Democrat Party SBY Party, then uh, I think uh, rationally speaking they will in line more with the current president compared to Prabowo president. But dynamic can change if Prabowo doesn't run. For instance, Prabowo doesn't run. Then he will ask somebody else, let's say Anis Baswedan, to be the presidential candidate. Then if this candidate of is offering uh, Democrat Party to be the running mate, for instance, then it is worth trying for them. At least they can put their uh, leaders, Agus Harimurti in this case, at the national spotlight, as, let's say mm. as the vice presidential candidate. At the same time, because he is the vice presidential candidate, then he becomes the icon of the political parties. Then political parties can get more support from the public. So that is the dynamic. So wow, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be important to watch the developments from now until the until early August. August fourth. Yeah. So to the see development what... of uh, this coming one and a half until two months until August four to ten will be very important, and it can be determining situation for all of these political players. Yeah, it's fascinating, mm-hmm. Dr. Jayadi. We look forward to your next survey from SMRC. And I think I'll do a whole podcast episode just explaining the survey results. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're going to be very, sure. very interesting. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I think our listeners should visit uh, your website, which mm-hmm. is saifulmujani.com. That's S-A-I-F-U-L-M-U-J-N-I.com. Also, you should follow SMRC on Twitter. It's at saifulmujani. And also, uh, maybe you can follow uh, Dr. Jayadi's Twitter, which is at Jayadi72 Hanan. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jayadi, thank you for being on this episode and thank you for your mm-hmm. time and your very interesting insights. Thank you for the interview. That concludes this episode that was absolutely packed with invaluable information from Dr. Jayadi about the 2018 elections, political party coalitions, and all the political maneuvers, as well as the layout for the 2019 presidential election. Indonesian politics and its impact to the business community and society are complex as you have just learned from hearing Dr. Jayadi's insights. I realize that some of the topics we covered were super technical and may have been overwhelming to some listeners that don't follow Indonesian developments that closely. With that said, all of these topics are critical to understanding Indonesian politics and its impacts. If you have any questions or need any further explanations on any of these topics that we discussed, just send us an email at info at indonesiaindepth.com. That's Indonesia in depth, one word, and we will respond and try to assist. If I can't provide an answer, I can always tap the wealth of knowledge of my colleagues at Lexico Indonesia Advisory. As a program note, by request, we have included all of the song titles and artist names in the description of each episode going forward, so you'll know the artists. 
we try and use a song that is relevant to each specific segment to make things more interesting. This is Sean Corrigan, and I'll be back soon with another episode with a very special guest. Thanks for listening.